Hi, everybody. Leon Thomas here with Miranda Kitterlin Lynch, and we are the host of Checking In, a lodging DEI chat. Thanks for joining us today. Miranda, hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Everything is groovy and outstanding. We're rocking on, having a great day. You know the question that's coming up. It's like the first question of every show. You know, but I know. don't but but don't answer because <laughs> I have to ask the question first. I know. <laughs> the question is, we're here for season two, episode what? I'm gonna say 14, and that is my final answer. <laughs> episode 14. Now, you're probably right. I'll go with it. You're right. Ex episode 14. Let's let's go with it. If I say it confidently enough, it just becomes true, right? Oh, okay. So you want to do a replay? Is that, that the deal? Okay. You're here watching, checking in, allowing DI chat. I'm Leon. She's Miranda. Miranda, this is season two, episode... 14, Leon. Episode 14. Right on. I like it. I like it. Folks, if you want to be a guest on our show, send me an email. Send it to leon at theleonthomasgroup.com. Let me know you'd like to be a guest on the show, or you can contact Miranda. Miranda, how do they get in touch with you? Do I sound like a jerk if I say just Google me? No, <laughs> it doesn't sound like a jerk. That's, I mean, that, that sounds like, look. Not Google. because it's important, but because I'm the only one. <laughs> Google knows me, right? <laughs> if if you Google Leon Thomas, you might see me, but there's also like this musician, right? Ah. Yeah, he's a, he's a musician. And I actually sent him an email. <laughs> he's a musician. So I, I said, hey, dude, we have, we share the same name and a love of music. And I sent him a video of me with a trumpet in my hand. Oh, Notice I didn't say of me playing. It was just of the trumpet in my hand. So I'll throw the trumpet away now. But anyway, I you get it. the idea. Speaking of musicians, have you heard Beyonce's new uh, country music song? Beyonce with a country music song. It's so good. Oh, my. Did you hear my voice drop down to the floor? Yeah. It's amazing. I, you know. <laughs> my voice changes like that with crab cakes, a good crab cake. Our producer, Dr. Jay, who does a great job producing the show. Thank you, Jay. His voice drops like that with pierogies, but yours was with Beyonce's country song? I yes, never knew. Do you know where I discovered that she has a new country song? Well, where did, where did this happen? TikTok. <laughs> oh my, here we go. <laughs> I, now I have to check it out now. I, I have to, okay. I have to check it out. Wow. Okay, I'm there. I'm there. I'll well, go. And that check tracks it out. for a DEI chat, right? Like, yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. <laughs> it, it, it covers a lot. It covers a lot for sure. We have another great guest today, Miranda. Tell us about our our guest on today's. Yes, I'm so excited that she could join us. She is a PhD student at Penn State, studying some really cool stuff in this space. Uh, and I actually got to meet her when she was a master's student. Um, so we've known each other for quite some time. Love seeing her grow and just the things that she's doing are just so interesting to me. It's Miss Sydney Pons. 
Hi. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hey, thank you so you. much for taking the time. Thank you guys so much. And thank you for inviting me to be on this amazing podcast. I'm excited thank to be a guest. Thanks for being with us. Now, I, I want to tell everyone this. If you want to know if LinkedIn is actually a real thing, if it works, if it's powerful, if the connections brew through LinkedIn, the answer is yes. I met Miranda through LinkedIn. And Sydney, I met you through LinkedIn. Right? You did. So, and at the time, I didn't know that you knew Miranda. And look at that. All those mutual connections. And it's it's real, folks. So I'm just I'm just saying if you're if you're skeptical about the power of LinkedIn, please stop. It, oh. It's actually good stuff. Absolutely. Is it the time for LinkedIn to jump in and sponsor the show now? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah, so watch this. This will be the one that their algorithm says, "No, no, no, we're not going to display this one. Not many people are going to see this when you watch. This will be the one that gets like two views, right? Because <laughs> we actually use their name and say good things about them. LinkedIn, LinkedIn we love you. We do. <laughs> we're teaching your we're teaching your foundations and classes across America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy, if you could share with our listeners some of the things that you're doing, some of the areas that you're researching, because I think it's just incredible. I think it's interesting. I'm super excited about it. Thank you so much. I would love to share. Um, I think I need to give just a little bit of a background of when why, why I'm here and what my experience is that even informs me of what I do, which is I spent about half a decade in hotel management um, across Western United States, um, in really kind of that mid level, um, limited service, um, majority entry, entry level labor market. And so as I was being, as I was managing hotels, I really, I started to understand the power of people and, um, how HR and well, not really, I mean, HR, yes, the function, but more specifically how, you know, recruiting and um, selecting and hiring, how all those things are so crucial to business. And so when I decided to take the leap from industry to academia, I had to find a place that really specialized and had somebody who was highly specialized with um, what I wanted to do. And so I, I found Penn State and I found a home here. And when I got here, something I really was passionate about was something that I I found to be a solution when I was in industry, which was um, second chance employment and second chance um, utilizing second chance programs within communities, and even um, you know working with correctional facilities to reintegrate um, released individuals into work. And so as I kind of dive down that academic avenue of how do I make impact academically, I realized that a way to get multiple voices into the people at the top, so to speak, is through this thing that we do, which as of as it stands right now, is sometimes just a checkbox item, but is this DEIB training. And so once I started thinking about diversity training and how to better 
you know, not only make that better, but also include justice impacted individuals into the discussion, I realize there's a lot of voices missing <laughs> in that training. And I started to think about all these things that I experienced at work and managing employees and all these different background characteristics, these diversity attributes that really impact the way that we show up and we interact with groups. And so I've really um, been focusing now on um, a diversity training that's underlying message is about intersectionality and how that impacts how we, our group dynamics at work and also how we manage our staff. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I, you said so much there that I love. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. In, in a good way. Like I'm, it's hard to pick like where I want to go like first, um, but justice impacted individuals. That's such, that's a really powerful statement because I think about drug laws today, for mm -hmm. example, and they're very different than they were, let's say 20 years ago. Right. And I can only imagine how many people are still in jail for very minimal nonviolent crimes related to drug possession. Um, and I think it's so important that there be research and conversation for second chances. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even more important that there be research and conversation about um, reversing some of those decisions. <laughs> yeah, well, most definitely. But, you know, in our kind of wheelhouse of impact, that's definitely something that I realized, you know, was a, a big realization when I was in industry of, and then when I got to academia, seeing the numbers behind it. Right now, one out of three Americans has some sort of criminal record. We have two over 2.5 million people currently incarcerated. We have the highest incarceration rate in the world. And um, yeah, so that was something that I really, I wanted to come in and to, I'm sorry, to speak on your point about drug laws, because that was one of the other big realizations that I had was that, you know, for lack of better words, and just to be honest, and of where I was when I was in my early 20s, is I thought everybody was in prison for hard crimes or going to jail for, you know, criminalistic activity. And then um, I quickly realized that these were just people just like me that got caught if I'm speaking honestly. And I really started to reevaluate my own value system. I mean, that's what these, these kinds of choices make you do. Mm -hmm. And um, when I got here and really get digging into the statistics of it all, realizing that, you know, 60% of crimes in America, about 60%, a little bit over are drug related. Um, and usually for me and <laughs> my perspective, Drug use and substance use disorder is a mental health issue and requires rehabilitation and not incarceration. And so we're really just snowballing a problem that's going to face our industry, you know, our entry level labor market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I love, Leon, I promise you this all has to do with DEI <laughs> and lodging chats because our industry is absolutely known to be a second chance industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can go from uh, being incarcerated to being a general manager, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we have that that beauty of our industry uh, that allows for people to make, you know, make it wherever they want to be. So um, yeah, that's actually, that's very, that resembles one of the first people of impact for me, which was um, one of my first employees who came straight after being 
released from prison and I ended up hiring her as a housekeeper, but she ended up training to be a G an AGM of that property um, for when I departed. So, you know, it's, it's an industry that we can't have upward mobility based on work performance and um, building trust with the organization. Yeah. yeah so true. Absolutely. So true. You, you both of you may be familiar with Craig Poole. Uh, Craig's the president of Reading Hospitality, and his hotel is the Doubletree in Reading, Pennsylvania. Mm. And uh, Craig, a lot of people learned about Craig at the Doubletree. I think this mm -hmm. hotel's been there six or seven years or so, and he's a second chance employer. Mm -hmm. and, but not only does he hire those who need second chances because of incarceration, he also is a first chance employee. He hires folks that may have special needs. Mm -hmm. um, he brings them into his hotel as well. But now Craig received his notoriety there at the Doubletree. Mm -hmm. But he's been doing that for a long, long time. Craig hired me into the hotel business at a Hampton Inn near the Pittsburgh airport. Now, I wasn't a second chance employer. I was really like a sad case. Give this kid a chance. He doesn't know what he wants to do. Give him something. And Craig, he later said to me, he said, yeah, I just kind of liked the jacket you had on when you came for the interview and figured you needed a chance if you were wearing something like that. He said, I liked the jacket, but it didn't look good on you at all. It was like a light blue blaze. It was sad. It, it was really bad. It was the only one I had. All right. So, but Craig gave me my start in the hotel business. And he's been doing that, giving people chances forever. And I know there are more people like Craig that are doing that. We just don't hear about it. And it's something that sometimes we we don't talk about either. I, I've been in meetings where the general manager whispers and says, yeah, the guy that's working as a server right now, he, he just got out of jail three weeks ago. Shh, mm -hmm. don't tell anybody. You know, instead of, yeah, this guy, he's doing a great job. He's turning his life around. You know, we don't really really send send that message so i i'd like to see us you know send that message because our, our industry provides so many so many opportunities for mm -hmm. for folks to to really make it so sydney in your in your research when you you talk about the the training that's needed tell us some about that training and I, we we all know what's going on now it's check a box you were there sign the sheet that says you were there but there has to be more to it. What are your thoughts on what's what's needed? Tell us some about what what you're proposing. And what you're yeah, saying. yeah. Well, I, um, <clears throat> a couple different avenues here. So you're, you're right. We know what's happening currently, which is oftentimes an online format, oftentimes a requirement checkbox item compliance measure. Um, that's not everywhere. There are you know in-person sessions, but what I think is is lacking here and you know what I'm seeing in the body of literature, but also just what I know from intuitive experience and industry experience is a lack of focus in the message, a lack of relevancy, and the mode of training has to be engaging and participatory. And so that's really kind of where I started thinking of how, what's an intervention that can hit all of that, that's gonna be highly relevant, 
to the job. So something that I can actually take with me to work or for the sake of doing it with students, of which I do a lot, um, what can they learn for managing um, that's highly identical, having identical elements to real life. And um, yeah, and it has to be fun. I mean, for lack of better words, it has to be fun, something you remember, um, something that is participatory. We're collaborating. Um, it can't just be a one directional. Um, this is the definition of diversity, um, superficial, you know, focus. That's kind of what I've noticed, at least in my personal opinion, I guess I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Leah. I'd also like to add that the facilitator or trainer has to be the right person, right? They have to be able to, to know how to communicate and not go through an experience that I had in a supposed training that was DEI related, where they asked for volunteers to come to the front of the room. I raised my hand. I stand up. He says, oh, yeah, Big Leon. Come on up, Big Leon, Big Leon. He didn't say small Sarah. He didn't say whatever to anyone else. It was big Leon. And I'm like, this is supposed to be inclusion. And we have the guy that's leading and teaching us doing that. He doesn't know what he's doing. Get him out of here. It's not effective. Anyway, I'm done. That's my rant for today. Go yes. ahead. <laughs> there always has to be a rant. <laughs> I love each and every one of them. <laughs> um, no. So Sydney, you looked like you were going to say something after Leon made that comment. Yeah, I was just going to say how, um, you know, part of specifically the training that I've developed using Lego, um, specifically like what the aim, I'd say, the learning objective is not only to understand, yeah, we have this layer of self-awareness, knowing how we are the lens of which we see the world, but understanding the lens of which other people see the world and that I'm going to pull up some great advice I got from somebody on the call, others awareness, um, you know, that becoming part of us building that skill, you know, it's, yeah, the facilitator has to have it, of course, but then, you know, that's a skill that we need to be transferring is, you know, understanding how all these lenses intersect. So classic example of your rant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I want to switch gears just a little bit, um, not too far over, still on the same road, maybe just a different lane. Um, you are doing some research related to hair mm -hmm. that I think is just fascinating because it's something that I've never thought of as a middle-aged white woman in America. Hair has never been a thought for me, uh, especially mm -hmm. going to work wearing my hair however I want, right? Um, and in conversations, as I'm on my learning uh, journey, it's been brought to my attention that, yeah, hair's a pretty big deal for people, right? So can you tell me a little bit about the research you're doing in that area? Yeah, I would, I'd love to. And it was actually inspired by a creative challenge to think of ways to um, collaborate with other students. Um, but it came from I hate to plug LinkedIn again, but here we go. Um, it came from LinkedIn. I was scrolling and I saw my own personal network talking about this. And exactly like you said, Miranda, as a 30-year-old white woman, 
my hair routine had never been factored into my equation and even my lens of which I viewed others and how their routine might be different than mine. And so I started seeing these things. I started going, well, what's been done in the literature? Not very, very not very much as one could imagine. Um, but then I became really close with somebody that um, is a PhD candidate here and she's from Ghana. And then we started going into like, what is your hair routine in rural Pennsylvania? How does, how does that work out? Like, where do you get your hair done? How does that make you feel internally? And how, you know, and then she's talking to me just as friends and I'm hearing all these underlying self self-discrimination self-stigmatization processes happening and i realized that this was something that if i have a voice to talk about these things this is something that needs to be talked about because it's not something that i thought about exactly like you said that impacts a lot of people on a you know an individual level and then also you know we do see cases of hair discrimination, active hair discrimination in the workplace as well. Um, from, you know, disparate treatment to just disparate impact through uniform policies and stuff like that. So I just started diving into it and I started to think about what is a way to talk about this that's going to make some impact. And um, that's kind of where that line of research has been going. So where it's kind of still working out how to kind of bring in the duo lens of not only others, but the self um, into one study. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just, it, every time we do one of these shows, I learn something new and I thought that I was pretty woke, but <laughs> I keep waking and waking. <laughs> Leon, did you have That's anything? You, you were making a lot of expressions. Yeah, that this whole, this hair thing. Um, number one, when I started shaving my hair, I'm sorry, you don't shave your hair, you shave your head. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's That's been uh, close to 30 years ago. The owner of the hotel said, and by the way, I approve you shaving your head. You can continue to do it. I'm right? sorry. So what? he said, <laughs> I approve you shaving your head. It's okay to do it. I never asked, and I, I had my hair shaved. And he actually said, it's okay for you to do it. I, it, You have my approval. Right? This is what he said. That's 30 years ago. This is what this guy said. So that was the first time that I ever heard anything, you know, where we're talking about hair. Mm -hmm. Okay? I experienced it. Now, it's several of the companies that I worked for we started having these meetings about bring your authentic self to work. And I listened to a lot of the African-American ladies talk about they were concerned about their hair style, that they couldn't come with their hair natural the way they'd like to wear it because it would not be perceived as professional. Yeah. And in many of those companies, your supervisor was the one who determined if your appearance was professional or not. There wasn't a, a guideline that said it can't come below your ear, your neck, or whatever. It was your boss can decide if it's professional. And so the boss could say, your hair isn't, so you have to change it, right? 
and even with beards, right? Mm -hmm. Is this is this professional, right? There's so so much goes into this this hair thing, and so many folks are have to be concerned about it because everyone wants to be perceived as professional, and how something as hair could get in the way of your performance, how that could lack could pull away from your performance. I just don't get it, but I've seen many times that it does. She doesn't look the part. She doesn't look corporate enough. She doesn't do it. He doesn't do it, even with with some of some men that that have longer hair. And so, um, in your in your studies, in your in your research, have you gone deeper than just the female part of it, or how about where, how men feel about this—the longer hair, the beards, and things of that nature as well? Has that come up in any of the conversations? Well, really, what I think that you're hitting on is how do we who and how are we defining professionalism and the lens just not to keep bringing up lenses but the lens of which the rules are being made are from people who have a eurocentric beauty standard and so understanding how that lens has shaped our society as a whole but that's going to really kind of i think hits a little bit of what <clears throat> men are experiencing too. And that's kind of in nerdy research land. That's how um, I phrase it, which is, you know, people that are not adhering to Eurocentric beauty standards because kind of your experience with your, your female, your, your, your lady group, that was exactly what I was hearing, which was that it was, I don't feel professional wearing my hair natural. What? Like what? One, I think that that is one of my, like, I love that hairstyle. <laughs> I think it's so beautiful. But then I realized, okay, why do you think that's unprofessional? And that's because the people that are making the system we're in have this lens of a Eurocentric beauty standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll add just one more that my, one of my sons works in industry. Mm -hmm. um, he's a, he works as a director of nutrition for a group of assisted living facilities. Uh, he recently transitioned to that mm -hmm. after working in restaurants for, for a while. Um, my other son is a writer. He's a writer and moving slowly into education. He has a fro. It's way out, right? Wow. And I've heard people say to him, if you want to get taken seriously, you need to cut your hair. You wow. need to cut your hair. And I've heard his responses too. What's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? Why? It's about writing. It's not about how I look. What's wrong with my hair? I can say to you, I don't like what you're wearing. I don't like your, oh, he fires back. Boom, 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 boom. But he's still, he's still got that hair. Good. I'm proud of him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway. And One more. Yep. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Miranda, you okay. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say anybody from industry who's listening in, who makes industry decisions, um, I'll say this until I'm like done saying things on this earth. Not everybody has to care about DEI. Not everybody has to care about doing the right thing. Everyone cares about money, right? That is a universal truth. Everyone cares about money. Now, as you're making your industry decisions, keep in mind that 
discriminating against hair, for example, can be very, very costly to you. Okay. Um, here in Louisiana, where I live, there is a very popular restaurant group that is being sued for, I want to say, $650,000. Yeah, $650,000 um, for hair discrimination. And it's 2024. You would think that people would know better than that. But this is going to cost you money. It's going to cost you money, not just legally, but in reputation, in uh, employee loyalty. Uh, like, even if you don't care about doing what I think is the right thing, I'm sure you care about your bottom line. 100%. My rant is now done. Thanks <laughs> for that. Right on. Yeah. So, Miranda, how about one more question from you? And then after after Sydney uh, talks about that, you guys have your interaction there. We will go to our signature questions of the Absolutely. day. Absolutely. So, Sydney, in as an academic, we always have our next project in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, what you're doing, obviously, is incredible. What do you want to do next? Or do you know yet? <laughs> um, no, that is actually... Uh, that is not my weakness, Miranda. I have so many ideas. I have an entire notes app full of ideas. Um, I have been, I will say, I, I'll give two, I guess, lines that I've been thinking. Um, one of them is not quite DEI related, but I think equally as important and perhaps part of a DEI essential skill, which is, um, body language and facial expressions and um, nonverbal behavioral cues um, and how to interpret that and how to, um, that's been kind of a line that's been lingering around in my head of things that I've been interested in seeing what's out there and what could be done. Um, and I would say DEI related, I've been, um, if I'm being honest, um, and I always speak my truth, watching what's happening um, in America right now, um, I guess just even the impact from America with the Palestine-Israel situation and how it's impacting students and um, just getting to see a little bit of that up close, I would like to venture into that refugee um, or um, you know, international workers, um, that kind of space of like how to incorporate them better into our work or into our industry. But those are not very fleshed out ideas. Um, just something with, I guess, at the end of the day, all my next ideas come from things that I've either experienced in the hotel industry and or things that I'm experiencing in the classroom that I or that I see online that I think are highly relevant and practical um, solutions. And so those are the things I like to dive deeper into. And I think that's incredible. That's going to make for the most impactful studies, things that are actually happening versus, uh, statistical circuses. So well done. I tend to agree. Thank you. Yeah. Sydney, do you have a pen handy? And if not, we can just fake like you pretend that you have one. Oh, nice, Ben. Oh, wait a minute. 
I have a whole collection. Oh, <laughs> nice. Look at you. I love Look at you. I, I like it. <laughs> oh, I love that one so much. Oh, none of mine are as fancy. <laughs> it's so first, though, here. before we get to the pins, I love the lizard. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Her name is Brenda. And um, she's my companion today. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right on. Right on. Brenda's rocking it. Brenda may have stolen the show. <laughs> she tends to do that. I had to, I taught this morning. So I figured, you know, if I was teaching about um, conditioning, formatting, and Excel. So I had to really, you know, jazz up the outfit to get, <laughs> get that interaction going. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never been more excited than to talk about Excel programming. <laughs> <laughs> to, to go over all the features of the conditional formatting button. It's fun. <laughs> right. I got right. my pin. Okay. Here we go. On three, go ahead and sign. Let's see your signature. Here we go. It is now time for the signature questions of the show. One, two, three, signature. Today, the first question, first signature question of the show, and there will be two signature questions. I'll give you one. Miranda will give you the other. The first signature question is, have you ever had a Maryland crab cake? I already know your love for crab cakes. So I, I hate to say I've never, I've never had one. I've been to Baltimore, but I've never had one. No. Your love of crab cakes is international. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you talk about it before. <laughs> I already know of your love of crab cakes. With that Miranda, it's gone international. It's gone. It is here. It's here. The love of crab cakes. I can't wow. wait to see you on a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll have to get the team to produce one. <laughs> right. We'll 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 do that. We'll we'll produce a commercial. Dr. J, can you run us give us 30 seconds of our of our commercial role? Can you go ahead and do that now, please, Dr. J? Give us 30 seconds of that. 15 seconds. 15 Renting is everything. It's style and all right. That, that's enough right there. Thank you. <laughs> we'll get the team to do a commercial. With me and a crab cake, right? Yes. And we'll, Miranda, we'll have you on. Sydney, you're on it too. I already know of your love of crab cakes. And Miranda will say, it's gone international. Then we'll go through the piece. We'll, we'll do that. But how did you come to Baltimore and not have a crab cake? That's a good question. Well, if you want to know the, the ins and outs of it, I actually did an alternative spring break in Baltimore where I lived... Um, we had the experience of being unhomed. So I lived um, in a church and I worked every day. It was a university program. So that was my Baltimore experience was actually being um, in that, <laughs> not eating crab cakes. We were budgeting yeah. off of $50 per week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So now we have to have you back on the show or even just a, a private conversation to hear more about that. That's Wow. wow. It was yeah. it was a life-changing experience. I was really lucky that um, 
my undergraduate East Carolina University had um, partnerships with America. Go Pirates. Yeah, go Pirates. They had um, a connection or a partnership with AmeriCorps, and they provided these amazing alternative spring breaks that really helped students, helped me change change my my whole lens, my whole perspective. Yeah. Incredible. If I was not already impressed, I'm just like blown yeah. away. Blown away. <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll wrap us up with my signature question. And I know it's not going to be going back too far for you. But if you could go back and tell your 20-year-old self any piece of advice, affirmation, or pearl of wisdom, what would it be? I'm going to go with, and this is what I also just told the first-year PhD candidates here at Penn State, which is to get comfortable being uncomfortable. There's a lot of things in life, um, at work, um, personally, that are going to be really uncomfortable, and the quicker that you can get the skill of getting comfortable with that uncomfortability and doing it anyways. That is the, um, I think that's a little bit of key to the sauce. That's great advice. Great advice for anyone at any age. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Sydney, thanks so much for being with us here on Checking In a Lodging DEI Chat. Thank you so much. Enjoy spending time with you. Thank you guys so much. This has been a blast and um, can't wait to come back for our commercial shoot. Yes. Yes, for sure. And you know, you're in State College and I'm in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. That's like three hours, I think. So number one, you'll have to make the three hour trek down to Baltimore and have a crab cake. But while you're here, we'll get you on the racquetball court and play racquetball with the kids in the youth racquetball program that I run called Racquetball Revival. Oh, you can go to racquetballrevival.com to learn more about that. But also then we could like meet halfway, you know, and I don't know, do a second crab cake exchange or, or something. I mean, we're, we're that close, but yeah, I'll bring the yeah. pierogies. You bring the crab cakes. And then also bring the rockets, and it sounds like a date. Beautiful. Can't wait. Wow, wow! You're 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 watching other shows, obviously. You're other episodes. You're talking about pierogies. I only know that our producer, Doctor J, has to be giving himself high fives and everything in the in the <laughs> studio right now. Doctor Jay, thank you for thank you for what you do, and thank you for prepping all the guests about pierogies. Jay, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> And Sydney, oh, thank, thank you. you for being with us. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you. It was an honor and a privilege. Yeah. Folks, thanks for watching, checking in, a lodging DEI chat. We'll see you next time. Take care.